This is number 54 with David Adams. Welcome to the Neuroscience Meet Social and Emotional Learning podcast. My name is Andrea Samadhi. I'm a former educator who's been fascinated with understanding the science behind high performance strategies in school, sports, and the workplace, and created this podcast to bring the most current neuroscience research along with high performing experts who've risen to the top of their field with specific strategies or ideas that you can implement immediately, whether you're a teacher or a student in the classroom or working in the corporate world to take your results to the next level. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. If this is your first time here, I'm so grateful you've taken the time to listen. I am so excited about our guest today. His name is David Adams, and I've been watching his work, seeing his posts on social media, and he's doing some groundbreaking work. I noticed when he spoke on a panel with former CNN host and educational activist, Campbell Brown, founder of V74, which is a phenomenal education-focused website that I love learning from. Then there was Susan Crown, the founder of the Susan Crown Exchange, whose mission is to help people acquire the skills needed to succeed and thrive in a rapidly changing and connected world. There was Mark Brackett, the director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, who did episode 22 on his book, Permission to Feel, and Karen Nimi, the president and CEO of Castle. If we are truly the sum of the five people we spend the most time with, like Jim Rohn once said, you can only guess how impressive his bio is going to be. David is the Urban Assembly's Director of Social Emotional Learning. He's on the Board of Directors of COSL, the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning, which is the trusted source for knowledge about high quality evidence-based social emotional learning. And I have to mention, he was also a civil affairs officer in the United States Army, so you know he's on a serious mission to achieve results. Welcome, David. Thank you so much for being here today. Wow, thank you, Andrea. I appreciate that nice introduction. Awesome. Well, it, it's been fun watching the work that you're doing, and, and I know you're still busy. I saw you guys sending out packets of hotspots to students. Tell Absolutely. Me, tell me a little bit about that before we get into the questions. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, at the Urban Assembly, we partner with the New York City Department of Education to bring innovation within public education. Um, and so uh, the Department of Education has made a massive effort to ensure that students have access um, to distance learning, uh, but not every student has the ability to even benefit from that gargantuan effort. Um, and so what we're trying to do now is make sure that our students in high needs areas um, are, are receiving that support and we're filling in the gap um, by making sure that they have access to hotspots. A lot of our families only have one device at home, um, and so making sure that students have uh, access to multiple opportunities to learning has been a big push of ours. Incredible. Well, I, I love watching what you're doing. It's, it's pretty inspiring. And I've read quite a bio for you, and it, it seems like when we're dealing with education that we have a certain level of expectation of what we're looking for, whether it's our students learning in the classroom, professional development for teachers, or even the right assessments to measure what we're learning. What does it mean to you for a person to be educated? Well, that's a great question, Andrea. Um, and uh, I think in this time, in terms of COVID-19 and the pandemic response is something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and so I've been thinking that what education looks like or what an educated person is, is a person uh, who can solve problems and contribute to their community. 
Um, I think when we think about solving problems, we think about, you know, cognitive tasks or mechanical tasks. Can you get A and B to work together towards C, right? Uh, but we also think about social problems. Um, when you think about people who've transformed the world, who've transformed the country, um, what they've done is they've brought people together and, and created a sense of, of purpose. And that sense of purpose has helped them move forward and solve a problem, whether it's civil rights, whether it's um, abolition, whether it's women's rights to vote. Um, and that is an, is an important aspect of, of intelligence or education as much as it is, you know, knowing and understanding the classics. And then lastly, I think when we're looking at this notion of um, contributing to our community, I think I'm looking now, we're thinking about what it means to be in this pandemic, um, who was contributing to our communities and why. Um, and to be educated, I feel like, is a person who understands their role and their place in society. Um, whether or not that, that they're okay with that, they wanna shift that, um, but a person who understands where they are in society and they wanna to contribute to their community. So uh, I envision a school system or an education system where we graduate kids and I see a young man or a young woman walking down the street and they do something, maybe they pick up a piece of trash or they open a door for somebody or they solve a problem that, that was you know, um, vexing a lot of different people. And we can say like, we contributed to that, right? Like, our, our school, our education system, our, uh, our, our framework helped people, helped our young people do something that they couldn't do before, right? So I think that's what I care about. Um, I care about thinking about uh, how we solve problems, both technical and social, um, and how we, uh, how we contribute to our society and our communities. Well, it's true that we can do just a little bit that makes such a big impact, right? Even just the two of us getting together like this, connecting and collaborating and sharing knowledge is so powerful. Yeah, I just, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like, uh, and I, I, I think that when we look at people who struggle um, to make connections, um, it's not what we understand our education system to do, right? So you can go through some of the top universities in this country uh, and struggle to bring people together in order to create a sense of common purpose, um, struggle to solve a problem where people have different perspectives or different interests. Um, and so I, I, think, I think our call here today in this context of the pandemic um, is to engage our education system so that we can engage our society to broaden this notion of what it means to be educated um, because the problems that we need to solve are, are small, right? How do we get a vaccine for a virus? And also huge. How do you get people to commit to social distancing um, when it's a really frustrating thing to do as a, as a family, as a community, as a society? And we'll need both spectrums of human thought and human ingenuity for us to move forward as a country. Oh, that's, that's powerful, David. So with everything that you're seeing right now going on in the world today, why do you think our communities are struggling so much to solve these problems of differences? I think, um, you know, I think we, we've come to a notion that our experiences are purely cognitive. Um, I think we've come to believe that the human condition is defined by thinking. Um, and I, and I disagree with that. I, I really believe that the human condition is, divide, is, is um, defined by a feeling. Um, I think that we, we think based on what we feel. Um, you know, I've seen uh, a number of studies that look at how, um, how intelligence helps us to be more rational in terms of the defense mechanisms that we put in place 
so that we can believe what it is that we want to feel in any case, right? So for example, if I believe very strongly that I want to be part of a community um, and I have a very high amount of education and very high amount of intelligence, uh, it's not that that education, that intelligence helps me to think about whether or not this is right or wrong. It's more likely that that intelligence or that um, education helps me to rationalize why this is already the thing that I should be doing. So I think we, we are in a, in a state in 2020 um, where we don't understand the importance of feeling. Um, we think that technical solutions to identity um, are the way to go forward. We think that um, cognition is the most important aspect of the human kind of experience. Um, and I think when we come down to it, what we feel is, is got to be the thing that actually defines who we are. Um, and I think that as we talk more about the importance of social emotional development, um, we, we better understand the, the impact of emotions on reasoning and cognition. Uh, we both, we better understand the need to belong, um, the need to relate, the need to have a, a sense of identity that we're proud of. I think we're gonna come more to a sense of be able, being able to solve problems because so many of our problems that we're seeing in our society, so many of our problems that we're seeing in our communities are based on people's feelings and challenges to relate to each other. I was reading a report from Chicago um, and they're you know, uh, struggling with some issues in terms of gang violence. Um, and people would say, you know, what, what do you think this is about? It's not about like deep seated, like deep issues around who's controlling what section. It's about really small petty things like who, whose girlfriend did what and who stepped on whose shoes, right? It's not like these deep things. Right. Um, and, and, and that's, that's something that we need to understand is if we are not providing a sense of purpose, if we're not providing a sense of positive identity for our young people, other organizations are going to swoop into that gap and do it for us. So I think schools, our education system, one of the most important things that we need to do is help our young people develop that sense of positive identity, have a sense of purpose, have social emotional skills so they can perspective take and solve problems. And that's gonna push us towards a future and a vision of America uh, that's more collaborative and cohesive. Don't you think that also as you're talking, I'm feeling that empathy seems to be missing, putting ourselves in other people's shoes because like the problems that you're talking about, often it's because somebody hasn't thought of the other person and how they're feeling in that situation. So to me, it feels like empathy has been missing for a long while with our, our, yeah. young, our young people. I think, you know, we, we, we believe, and I think we're, we're moving to a place where people believe that um, if you're different from me, then you can't understand me. Um, that you, that you're so different because you live in New York versus, you know, um, another place. <laughs> um, that you could never understand my experiences. And even worse, that you look down on me because uh, of my experiences. Um, you know, I think we, we've been pushing this notion of identity. Um, and, and that can sometimes be restrictive. Because in fact, we, we all have something in common, right? Empathy and cooperation are based on a, a shared sense of identity. Um, and so what, to empathize, what we need to do is identify that sense of myself and another. Um, and, and vice versa. And so I think what we need to be thinking about in our education system and across our communities is how we help young people identify themselves and other people. Um, and when you do that, 
you'll see that people are like, that person has something in common with me. That person sees me. They respect me. They understand me. I'm willing to work with them in order to solve problems. So I think that empathy piece is really important. And it's not a question of just sitting around and thinking about how people are feeling. Um, it's a question of really actively talking to people and finding stuff in common that creates that common sense of identity by which we can build a bond and, an, and, a, and a sense of cohesion. Absolutely, it's so true. And I, I was reading your recent article, A New Vision of Education, Reimagining the Social Contract, and you talk about the fact that nobody's perfect, but we all have a responsibility to strive to live up to the values we want our next generation to embody. And you talk about this phenomena where education level is negatively correlated to the accuracy of perception of people across the political spectrum. Can you explain mm -hmm. and why do you think this is the case? Yeah, so this was a great study um, that was looking at the, the accuracy of people's beliefs by education level, right? Um, and so it was looking at uh, Republicans and, and Democrats or conservatives or liberals in another way to think about it. Um, and it was looking at the accuracy of what people actually thought that people believed um, and what people actually believed. So what did liberals think conservatives believed and what did conservatives actually believe? And then vice versa, what did um, liberals believe and what do conservatives think liberals believed. Um, and in fact, the, the education level uh, is not the, the best predictor of whether or not you are accurate. It's, it's the opposite, that the higher the amount of your education, uh, the less accurate you are about being, uh, or about perceiving what other people actually believe. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, some of the reasons is that we've just become a lot more isolated in terms of our political um, kind of groupings that people tend to live with people who are closer to them in terms of their beliefs. Um, some of it is that we are isolated in terms of what we're reading, right? So that we start to, if you're higher education, you're more likely to consume media that reinforces the things that you believe. Um, the, the key here, I think, is that we need to get out and talk to people. We need to go out and listen. We talk about social and emotional skills. Um, and one of the most important skills that we need and, and need to develop is this notion of listening and active listening. Um, so we need to go out, we need to break, break our, our bubbles. Uh, we need to feel uh, a little bit uncomfortable that our education level is not actually helping us to hear what people are saying who are different from us and go out and listen to people. Um, so I think that this is something that, that's been important to me that when we talk about education, uh, we're not doing a good enough job. If education is, is negatively related to our ability to understand people who are different from us, then our education system is failing in some of the fundamental attributes of what it means to prepare citizens. Um, and so I think when we think about a social and emotional education, uh, it's an education that incorporates not only can I read, can I write, can I solve mathematical problems, but can I solve the types of problems that move us forward as a society? And that's gonna take listening. That's going to take empathy, and that's going to take the ability to build relationships and understand what other people care about. Absolutely. Can you just talk a little bit more about the neuroscience behind this and how SEL specifically improves awareness to help us all move forward? Sure. I mean, I think, I think as humans, um, we evolved uh, to be very sensitive to in-groups and out-groups. Um, I think one of the most important things that uh, the human species has done um, is been able to abstract the notion of our community, right? First from genetic, you know, are you a clan? Are you my relative? Are you my family? 
Uh, then we move to uh, larger kind of hunter gathering, then to city states, um, then to these huge notions of uh, of, of, of countries um, and states. Um, and we were able to kind of do that based on this notion of who belongs to who and who's in groups and who's an out group. Um, and I think what we're seeing today is that a lot of the institutions that we used to develop um, our sense of purpose have been breaking down. Um, our civic institutions aren't as robust as they used to be. Um, our churches are not as, as filled as, as they used to be. Um, even our, our, our schools have shifted their focus from developing citizens to developing engineers and, and mathematicians and computer science majors, which are important, right? But they're not the end-all, be-all of what it means to be part of a society. So I think we need to understand that in order to create a society where we connect to each other, uh, we, need to, we need to push back against our inbuilt uh, tendencies. And our inbuilt tendencies say that if you are different from me, um, I should fear you. If you are different from me, uh, I should be in competition with you. Um, and so in order to, to kind of attack that, uh, we need to develop the sense of relationship skills. We need to develop the sense of self and social awareness um, so that we understand that we can expand these groups just as we've done in the past, right? Um, if you were to go two, 3,000 years ago and, and believe that, that we could come together as a nation and say, you know, we all are part of this one country um, and willing to give our lives to that country. I think that would be something that people thought were crazy. Um, so I think we've done it in the past. We've been able to move from, you know, I only care about my brother, sister, cousin, to I care about my neighborhood, to I care about my state, my community. And I think we can do that uh, in the future as well. I'm thinking of the application of this, and I'm just going back to when I was in high school. We had a really unique scenario. I grew up in Toronto, and uh, we had, although we had cliques, we had like, you know, the jocks and um, the smart kids. We all seemed to pick and choose and work from each other. Like when I needed help in math, I went to the smart kid group, and, and then there was, um, some students that didn't speak English very well and they grabbed me and we all seem to help each other. And I just mm -hmm. don't see that happening anymore in our schools today. They have these cliques. And when you're talking about differences, how do you think we could get back to what, what I grew up with? I'm like, this was such a unique experience. So even though we're all different, we all leveraged each other. How could we get back? Yeah. So, it's funny you ask that because um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, and one of the things that I learned, this is when I went to basic training and it, it was at Fort Knox, Kentucky, it was 2001. Um, and one of the things that you learn in basic training is that everybody is good at something um, and you're bad at something too, right? Like nobody's good at everything. Um, and there's always somebody on your team who can help you do something. And there's always somebody else that you can help. Um, but one of the reasons why you learn this through a military kind of experience is because there's such a wide variety of ways that you can contribute to the whole, right? So, like, not everybody can run fast, but some people are really good at assembling and disassembling the rifle. Um, not everybody can do a million push-ups, but some people are really good at the run. Um, not everybody is good at their uniform, uh, but some people are really good at public speaking. The point is that because there's such a range of ways that you're evaluated in terms of contributing to the whole or to the group, there's always some opportunity for some strength 
um, from one of your uh, battle buddies to, to show through. And in schools, what's happened is that we've narrowed the range of what is valued so um, so deeply that the only the only things that people feel that they are, are, are can find value in or value for is their academic performance, right? We've talked to kids and they are saying that the only thing that you care about me is my score on a test. That's the only way that I have purpose, the only place that I have value. Um, and because of that, it becomes very difficult for people to contribute beyond that space, right? There are no analogies where, you know, maybe you're not great at uh, reading or writing or math, but you're really great at helping people. Um, there's not that analogy because our schools have been so narrowly focused on this specific set of what it means to be educated, right? And so I think we need to understand that that is not what it means to be a citizen. There are a lot of opportunities. There are a lot of uh, pathways that every single person can contribute to in this country um, and every person can contribute to in this community. And I think that we can't all be Einstein, but we can all have a sense of responsibility, right? We may not all be kind of uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, but we can all build relationships that are affirming to each other, right? And I think when we expand that notion, we give our kids an opportunity to contribute not only to their schools, but to our society as whole. Absolutely. So just bringing this into a close, some final thoughts on what you think of using social emotional learning to solve our nation's most pressing concerns to restore some hope, especially during these uncertain times. I appreciate the question, Andrea. Um, so I'd say we really need to focus on three things. Um, one is that we need to make sure that there's an explicit focus on social emotional development for our young people and our adults. Um, our adults need to be able to name social emotional skills when they're using them. And our young people need to be able to see adults who can fluently apply these skills and learn these skills for themselves. So those are skills like self-awareness, self-management, um, skills like social awareness, relationship skills, and decision-making. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Uh, I think the second thing is, um, I think we need to be looking at our education system and, and understanding the role that it plays in our society. Um, we need to be comfortable with the notion that we are a multicultural place, and the only way that we're gonna get together and understand what our values are from all these different communities is to equip young people with the ability to speak across difference. Um, so we need to, to ensure that our schools understand their mission and vision. When you look at a, a mission statement, schools say, contribute to society, be a citizen, and then you go to a school and you're like, show me where that lives. And they're like, well, here's my math and science curriculum. Here's my English in, in writing. I'm like, that's wonderful. I think that's, that's, that's key. But your mission statement says we are preparing young people to contribute to our society. Um, and that's not what I see in your school. So I think our schools need to learn how to live their missions. Um, it's not me telling you that. It's their own mission statement. It's their own vision statement. Let's just get back to that and get that right. Um, and then the last thing we need to do is we need to make sure that young people have experiences uh, that support their social and emotional development beyond academics. Um, our young people need to have multiple ways of being successful in schools. Um, it's not just about being at the top of your class. It's not just about your pure cognitive kind of uh, profile. It's about who you are as a person. And every single person has value in our society and every single person has value in our community. And our schools need to be organized around those principles. Absolutely. So do you think this time away from schools can perhaps be highlighting these skills that you think are so important for us to develop? Like 
just even for me thinking about my kids right now not going to school and they're learning things that they've never had a chance to learn they're making muffins they're you know making us dinner and breakfast and um, doing things that we just would never have had the time for but do you think this is a good time for us to be learning these new skills absolutely i think i go back to what we had talked about before um, we need people who can create vaccines and study little things um, and we need people who can bring people together and study big things. Um, we need to take this time to understand how to contribute to your home as a young person. Um, what does it mean to wash dishes? My sons are focusing on making sure that they're taking and cleaning their plates. It's not 100%, I'm not gonna lie, we're working on it, right? right. They know that they have to contribute to our family. Um, take this time you know, away from the pressures of standardized tests, away from the pressures of you know, getting to June and, and graduating um, and think about what is it that we want to teach our young people? What is the example that we are leaving for our future generations? How are we as parents? How are we as adults? How are we as community members embodying the values and systems that we want our young people to, to be able to show for the next generation? So I think this is the time to take a step back and understand what roles that we have um, and look at our young people and say, you know, I would really appreciate um, help and mm -hmm. getting to the next generation and solving some of these problems that have been so vexing. Absolutely. Well, I think you've given us some great solutions to the world's most pressing concerns with social emotional learning and you've given me some ideas to think about. I want to thank you so much for your time today and sharing your insights with us. If anyone wants to reach you and learn more about your programs at the Urban Assembly, what's the best way? Sure, you can find me on LinkedIn at David Adams um, and on Twitter at D Adams underscore SEL. Um, and I appreciate so much, Andrea, taking the time to have me on your show. I appreciate what you've been doing for our field. Uh, I listen to uh, many of the guests that you have and uh, you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening and for being on the show and sharing your ideas with us. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.